What is up, fight fans? Welcome to my podcast. This is the MMA Anomaly Show with yours truly, Olin, aka MMA Anomaly. If you're new here or if you're returning, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and smash that bell for notifications. Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show. I am Olin, aka MMA Anomaly, and in this episode, we'll be covering UFC 275, the aftermath. My goodness, what a card it was. Uh, we will go ahead and actually start at the bottom of the card. So Jack Della Maddalena went out there and just completely tore apart his opponent, uh, Emiev. And I, I mean, the body shots, my goodness. People were telling me all week that, you know, I, would, I might be wrong betting, betting on Della Maddalena to win this, but realistically, I thought there was no way that he lost this fight. His wrestling negation skills are definitely top-notch in the division, and his boxing is next level. The guy went out there and just absolutely crumpled his opponent, landed a ton of body shots, made it look easy, and also didn't take a ton of damage himself, if any. So he's probably ready to go next week. That being said, who does Jack Della Maddalena fight next? I personally think there are a few options here for him. He can fight Big Mouth himself, Kevin Holland, um, or he can fight Tim Means, since I know Kevin Holland and Tim Means have a fight coming up. Maybe he fights the winner of that fight. Or, if neither of those sound good, we've got Mr. Daniel D-Rod Rodriguez, who is a surging up-and-comer. I think that would be a great matchup for Della Maddalena to break into the top 15. And we also have Shavkat Rachmanov, who, again, uh, if, if you've been paying attention to the sport, this guy is an absolute stud. He is a terror for anybody that he fights. Uh, and I think that that would be a great grappling test for somebody like Jack Della Maddalena. In the next fight, we had Jake Matthews, Buffton Bieber. Yes, I made that nickname up. Yes, it should stick. Going up against Andre Fialio. Andre is definitely a surging competitor. He has looked incredible since coming into the UFC. That being said, I knew in my heart of hearts that Jake Matthews was going to go out there and put on a show. Boy, did he. 47 strikes landed. 47 strikes that were significant. Every single strike he did damage with. Every single strike landed with maximum impact. And the kid couldn't miss. The Celtic kid, uh, his actual nickname is, was out there looking like a sniper rifle. Every single shot was calculated, chosen, and hit right on the mark. So great job to Jake Matthews. This is definitely nowhere near the end of the road for a young Andre Fialo. I think both of them are going to continue to grow after this fight. And who do I think these guys should fight next? So for Jake Matthews, I think, again, there are a couple of options here. He can either go up against maybe a Jeff Neal or a Neil Magny or maybe a Michel Pajeda. I think any of those three uh, fighters make sense for him to fight. He's somebody that's been in the UFC for a very long time, competed on the Ultimate Fighter, has had a little bit of an up and down, but has looked really great as of late. So pair him against somebody in the top 15 let him break into those rankings, and let's see where he goes from there. Now, when it comes to Andre Fialio, I think he should probably fight a Jing Liang or a Alex Morono. I think he matches up well against both those guys, as well as those men matching up well against him. I think it'd be a test for all involved. In the next match, we had possibly one of the craziest knockouts that I've seen, um, not only in a, a women's MMA fight, but in an MMA fight. We had... Uh, Zhang Wiley versus Joanna Jancic. And again, I thought Joanna was going to go out there and win. I thought that the time off was going to be good for her. But 
after she started eating some big shots, you could tell that she, there was a bit of ring rust and that maybe she did have a bit of an escape plan and retirement was already in the books for her. Uh, that being said, I take nothing away from her. When she was landing, she was landing in volume. And when she was landing, she was landing hard shots. However, Zhang Wiley did her camp with Henry Cejudo, who is incredible in the wrestling sector. And it showed. She went out there. She landed takedowns. She was dominant and strong in the top positions. And then when it came down to it, when they came out in that second round, she landed a spinning back fist. And it looked to me like the blade of her wrist actually connected with the uh, side of Young Chechek's neck. And it just put her out for a second. She fell headfirst into the mat. Uh, I'll try and throw a couple clips up in this video. Again, hopefully I don't get any violations or anything. If they do take the videos down uh, or if they keep them up, either way, make sure you check out the full fights. Those are available on the pay-per-view, which is on ESPN+. Um, and then I think they probably will upload those to UFC Fight Pass within about six months or so. And of course, who do I think is next for Zhang Weili? It's obvious it is Carla the Cookie Monster of Sparza. I think she's earned her way to another title shot, and I think she's probably going to tear Carla apart. Now, in the co-main event, we had a true war of attrition. We had Valentina Shevchenko uh, going up against Tyla Santos. Now, I thought Valentina Shevchenko was probably going to go in there and do it with Valentina Shevchenko things and just walk all over her opponent and make her look like she didn't even belong in there with her. However, this was not the case. For the first time since Valentina's gone down to the flyweight division, we actually saw her not only look human, but look beatable when Tyla Santos was facing her. Tyla was able to land takedowns, stuff the uh, brilliant or typically brilliant hip toss that uh, Valentina usually does and make her pay whenever she'd stuff that takedown attempt. Now, obviously, if you look at the stats on paper and you didn't watch the fight, you're going to see... Okay, well, Shevchenko dominantly won the fight. It's 234 strikes to 128 strikes. It's 77 significant strikes to 55 significant strikes. Takedowns were even, so you could just take those off the board. Three to three. However, I gotta firmly disagree with you. I thought Tyler Santos actually won that fight. I thought she did enough to take the belt from the champion, and I thought she did enough to win, pretty convincingly, three out of the five rounds. I'd love to hear what you thought of that fight in the comments below and if you thought the judges got it right. Do I think that it was a robbery? Not at all. It was a close fight. Do I think that the headbutt that split open Tyla's eye changed things? I mean, yeah, probably. Do I think the fight would have played out differently had the headbutt not happened? No. But I think that maybe the judges would have scored it differently because they wouldn't have saw this huge hematoma, this huge swelling, and a possible broken orbital on Tyler Santos throughout the rest of the fight. Personally, with this being the first time Valentina's ever looked beatable, um, Tyler Santos went out there and looked like Superwoman. She was incredible, and I think she earned a rematch. I think that's what should be next. Probably won't happen. So if that's not the case, maybe we get Valentina Shevchenko uh, in a rematch with Jessica Andrade, and then we get Tyler Santos versus the greatest gatekeeper the women's weight classes have ever known, Miss Blonde Fighter herself, Kayla Jukagian. And in a main event for the ages, we had Glover Teixeira going up against Yuri Prokaska. I thought Glover was going to go out there and dominate him with the grappling, withstand the bigger shots. That's almost what happened. I mean, it was pretty damn back and forth, right? We had Glover throwing big shots, Yuri throwing big shots, 159 strikes to 157 strikes in favor of Glover. 111 significant strikes to 120 significant strikes in favor of Yuri. Now, I thought that that fight was amazing on both guys' behalfs, but 
I, I will say Glover made some huge mistakes in there. He made the biggest mistake of all when he seemingly had Yuri in deep, deep waters and just almost out on his feet, and he decided to jump the ghillie on him. He shot, jumped for the guillotine, and ended up on the bottom, which led to Yuri actually getting the finish he got. Um, so, I mean, Glover's got to be close to retirement at this point. I personally think that it should be a rematch between Glover Teixeira and Yuri Prakaska, and if that's not the case, it'll probably end up going something to the tune of Jan Blakowicz versus Yuri Prakaska, Glover Teixeira versus Alexander Rakic, uh, Anthony Smith versus Magomed Ankalaev, and Dominic Reyes versus Thiago Santos for a light heavyweight tournament, anybody? Come on. I think that's a great idea, and I think it makes not only sense, but it makes dollars and cents, baby. So let me know what you think of that idea in the comments below. And I'm also working on putting together a website with my buddy Eric, uh, who actually used to be on the old version of this podcast, Dimma Boys. So I will throw up a link to that below as well. I typed up a, a written editorial on my thoughts on the fights and what I thought should be next on there as well for those of you that rather read about it. So make sure you check that out. Leave your feedback below. And thanks again for joining us. I really appreciate the support from each and every one of you. And make sure that you're sending me some kind of video submissions or uh, topics, questions, etc. Thanks again. And I look forward to seeing you all in the next episode. Later.